Everybody, did you make it back? Cause we're back. Are you excited? Cause we're excited. <laughs> Cause this is what, Madeline? This is the Grim Cities. <laughs> you sounded very what? confused. I wasn't sure what you were looking for in terms of an answer. I was like, oh, I don't know. And we're so excited to be back with everybody. Woo! How are you doing? Woo-hoo. How is life? Uh, life is going pretty good. I am enjoying my travels. I was in Spain for a month. Next month, I am going to Greece. And this month, I'm in the UK. But I'm actually spending the first week in quarantine because I got the Rona. I finally got it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. Hey, I'm taking it in stride. My symptoms Mm -hmm. are very mild, so that's good. And... Yeah, I can't complain too much because I'm still in another country living my best life. So, you know. Yeah, I'm glad that your symptoms are as mild as they are, too. I'm glad you're doing okay-ish. Yeah, I know. It could be worse, so I'm going to just not complain too much. So I probably sound a little bit congested, so uh, preface that, that's probably why. But yeah, we're going to we're gonna plow through because I'm actually feeling pretty good. So good. I'm excited to hear today's story. I'm excited to tell you. But before we get into the topic, we like to start each episode with what we call a horror headline. Yes, horror headlines. I'm so horror excited. Horror headline. I have a really quick one. Right. So you were just in Spain. Yes. And did you get a chance to stop at Reina? The I Reina's- did. Oh, I it. did. In fact, I think one of the pictures that we posted was one of the ones that I took at the museum. Yes. I believe. Yeah. And I think I, I have more correctly. pictures that we'll post when this episode is posted. Yeah. But since you're in the UK, I have a UK related headline, which Ooh. is, I mean, you know, I was a weird kid. I loved ghosts and spooky things all throughout my life. And I found a book that my parents got me for Christmas one year called The Spectered Isle, which is all of the spooky stuff that's in the UK. Oh, my God. Wait, how long ago did they get you this? Oh, I think I was like 10. (laughs) Wow. A long time ago. Yeah. And I just recently came across it again. And they have these really, really spooky photos. Here, I'll show you. And I will post some pictures. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Yes. Is that a drawing or a picture no, they're I all, all photographs you. i wish i would have oh. thought to show it to you before you left but i'll show it to you when you get back but oh, yeah. uh i was like oh i'll just pretend i'm there with you and live vicariously through this book and you okay so. i'm pretty impressed with your parents though because the fact that they knew that you had a horror obsession when you were even that young it's like they really knew you and the person you were going to become so they really did i mean your family knows you better than you think which is scary sometimes But I also wasn't really hush-hush about all of that because before they got this book, you know how like when you were younger, you could order scholastic book catalogs? Oh, yeah. All of the ones that I always got were things along the lines of ghosts or unsolved mysteries and things like that. And so they're kind of like, yeah, this kid's weird. So I guess it's like embrace it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So I could almost say that we owe your parents for this podcast because your love of horror might have even started from them. So that's true. Yeah, they embraced it. They cultured it. Yeah. Yes. So thank you, Mama and Papa Ramirez. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nance and Greg. Shout out. Yes. What's your horror headline? My horror headline is another article that I read. I feel like a lot of mine are kind of starting off that way now, but... I love it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's always good to keep reading, so that's good. Stay in school, kids. Read your books. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I read this article about the world's shortest horror story ever written. (gasps) And... 
I was fascinated, Madeline. It is amazing. So just to give you like a little bit of background, this short horror story was from a man by the name of Frederick Brown. He was an American fiction writer who focused on mystery and science fiction. Okay, so his signature style was what people called the short, short form. So like really short stories, right? Okay. He would write stories that were anywhere from a page to even only a few sentences. Ooh. The latter of which is actually the focus of today's headline. So this short horror story is literally two sentences long, Madeline. Two. That's it. I'm not going to sleep good. tonight, am I? No, 100% not. No. Oh, God. <laughs> the short horror story was actually a precursor to one of Frederick Brown's slightly longer short stories by the name of Knock, in which he later expanded what I'm about to read to you into a more complete plot of, you know, a, a page or so. You know, way more complete plot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But before I talk about what I liked about it, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you guys. Are you ready? I'm not, but I, but you got to do it. I'm not. Okay, remember, it's only two <laughs> sentences, so I think you can handle it. But I really enjoyed <laughs> it. Okay, so here we go. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock on the door. And that's it! I have chills right now. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Oof. first of all, I really love that this story, you're able to really immerse yourself into the world, even though it's literally only two sentences. I read those and I felt like I was there. I felt the loneliness, the fear, just everything that that man felt. And I was able to feel like I knew where I was sitting and I could picture the world around me. And that's hard to do in a novel, let alone a short story. No kidding. So, it shows how talented this man is. Yeah. That's so spooky. I have chills. It's a prime example as well of how poignant something can be without having to overkill itself with too much. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It kind of shows you that sometimes, I mean, not always, but sometimes less is more. And, yeah. you know, you don't always have to have all this exposition in your stories that sometimes ties it down. A lot of times you just got to get down to the meat of it. Exactly. And to like kind of build off of that, it shows a level of respect for the people that you know are reading it. You know, you shouldn't have to over explain what your point is. And this guy, he knew the exact thing to say and it's like treating your readers like they're not idiots you know what i mean exactly. it's respecting their reader and their capacity to interpret something and i think that sometimes authors don't necessarily trust that and they're worried it'll be misinterpreted but yeah. wow so i'm gonna I wonder if there are more well this is where i'm headed next oh. <laughs> so i'm gonna read it one more time just because i thought it was fascinating so the story was the last man on earth sat alone in a room there was a knock on the door and as we said, this was very profound to me. And I continued reading more about this because it captured my imagination. And I found out that I wasn't the only one who was captivated by this because back in 2020, a creative writing professor at the Berkeley Center for the Arts mm -hmm. took Frederick Brown's story as inspiration and actually had his students write their own short horror stories consisting of only a few sentences. And I liked some of them and I thought I would share some of them. Please. Yes. All right. So these are my favorites from his students. I thought they were pretty good. Okay. <clears throat> Mommy, come play with us. The boy, an only child, begged his mother, rolling a ball towards the dark corner of the room. His mother watched as it rolled back. No! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, next. Oh, Hearing her mom call her down for dinner, Julie begins to walk toward the kitchen. 
As she's walking, she looks down at her beeping phone, only to see a text from her mother saying that she's still at work. I hate this Are you so liking much. these? I'm so mad at you right now. I'm so mad for the uh, lack of sleep I'm going to get. <laughs> well, buckle in because there's four more. No, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, next one. Okay, I'm ready. As usual, I walked through the cemetery to visit my grandmother's grave. But as I squatted down to place the flowers near her, I saw a tombstone next to hers that read my name. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, I was out taking pictures of a friend for a school project. When I went back to choose the photos I liked best, there wasn't anyone in the photos. No. Nope. <laughs> Can you imagine? Absolutely not. I'd be like, and I'm out. Okay. Okay. Hit me with another one. All right. I'm ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. My sister was always the pretty one. Now that I wear her skin, I understand oh, what they all saw. God, <laughs> no. That one was so sadistic. Oh, God. That's Silence of the Lambs right there. Oh, 100%. It gives me very oh. Jeepers Creepers vibes. It's very Buffalo Bill. <laughs> oh, very Buffalo Bill, yes. Um, And then, last but not least, I saved my favorite of the student-submitted ones for last. Your favorite one. Okay. Yes, this one I thought was really good. All right. <clears throat> My daughter asked me to check her closet for anything scary, so of course I humored her and looked. Inside, my daughter was curled up into a ball crying and said, Mommy, there's something in my room. Stop. <laughs> Which one is the real daughter? I don't oh, know. Oh, God. Oh. So, yeah, I just, I thought this would be a fun horror headline just because I think it is a super fascinating writing exercise to be able to craft a story in such few words. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it. I would love to try one day, but I think it'd be super fun. But I also so, think it'd be really difficult. As I, you were reading these... I was thinking our next challenge, instead of coming up with a horror headline, we should try to come up with our own. I was actually thinking the same exact yes! thing. Yes! Oh, Let's yes. Let's do it. Good. Let's do so it. So we okay, have a so... homework assignment. Yes. Do we want to set like, a time limit? Do we want to give ourselves a month, a week, a day? I feel like. What are we thinking? By the next time we record. Okay. So it might not, for the listeners, it might not be the very next episode, but. We will write these by the next time we record together, which yes. will be in a week or two. So Yes. Um, and Ooh. if anybody else has good ideas for short horror stories that you've either already written or that you want to try doing yourselves, send it in. Send write it us, in. Email us. DM we us. We love getting emails. We love getting DMs. Yes. A lot of you guys have actually been reaching out recently, and it is just always so exciting to hear from you. And we're really glad that you're listening. It really does mean the world to us, and it makes it worthwhile doing all of this. It's very fun to kind of see the engagement that our listeners have with the podcast. So yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I can compete with that, but I do have a spooky thing to tell you. Yes, I'm very excited. If you want to get into it, you ready? Okay. I thought it would be a really good time to do a Word of the Month episode. Yes, that is perfect. It's been a while. It's been way over a month where I feel like it's not even fair to call it Word of the Month anymore. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like, so I'll just call, I'll call it Word of the Episode. Yes. So we use Rosemary Ellen Geely's book, The Encyclopedia of Demons and Demonology, 
or the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits, usually. We pick something out, and then we just dive into the topic. Yes, our girl Gilly! Yeah, it's just like an opportunity to learn more about the spiritual world and different parts of the world. Absolutely. So, today's topic and word is black dogs. Black dogs? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Usually you hear about black cats, but black dogs. Oh, Ooh. yeah. So the following is an excerpt from her definition in the book, shortened for timing and stuff. But here we go. Spectral animals associated with demonic powers, death, and disaster. Phantom black dogs are widespread in folklore. They are said to be demons or the devil in shape-shifted form or a demonic animal companion of demons. Ooh. So spectral dogs are often unusually large and have glowing red or yellow eyes. They give out an unearthly bone-chilling howl. They like to roam in remote areas of the countryside. And the sight of one is a harbinger of death or disaster. Oh, my so, God. Ooh, one famous black dog in English folklore is Black Shuck. And Shuck derives from an old Anglo-Saxon term, skuka, or skioka, meaning demon. Ooh, it is also... What you do to corn before you eat it and cook it. You shuck the corn. You do. So. You shuck the corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what the origin is. You never know. This black dog named Black Shuck just liked to shuck corn. I mean, honestly, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't love to peel corn? <laughs> and then um, this one is an excerpt from the Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits. She covers the topic in both of her books. So the origins of Black Shuck, including its name, are uncertain. The spectral dog may have entered Britain from Norse mythology, brought by an early Viking invaders who told stories about the black warhound of Odin. Ooh. Or the dogs may have sprung from the early days of smuggling in Britain. So stories about a fearsome spectral dog roaming coastal areas at night certainly could have inspired people to stay indoors while smugglers went about their business. And the black shuck roams coastlines and also haunts graveyards, lonely country roads, misty marshes, or the hills around villages. So... Kind of like a banshee, you can hear the howling, and seeing him brings bad luck within a year. Oh, man. And I imagine the howling is like coyotes. Have you ever heard a group of coyotes howling? Yeah, it sounds like death. It is bone chilling. And that yeah, is what I it imagine. sounds like they are all in extreme pain, mm -hmm. but doing it on purpose. Yep. And it kind of slowly builds where like one starts and the, all the rest join in. And you're like, ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Maybe coyotes are all masochists. They all just love pain. Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea, but. I mean, who knows? <laughs> um, I remember there was one time when I was living in St. Louis Park, our friend Nancy, she was coming to visit and we were standing outside and we were like saying goodbye and stuff like that. And it was nighttime. And all of a sudden, a group of coyotes started howling, and we just both looked at each other, just like, well, time to go. Time to head back. Well, and what's <laughs> crazy about it is we've all heard it before, but it never ceases to be shocking every single time. Mm -mm. I will never forget It those. is yeah. shocking every time. Every time. They have them across the street from where I live in the little garden area or the woodsy area, yeah. and I can hear them at night sometimes, and it's absolutely terrifying. Nope. Fuck that. So I imagine that Black Shock probably sounds just as scary if you hear it oh 100 if not more scary mm -hmm. so as we mentioned before dan is currently in the uk and he happens to be where the famous black shuck resides son of a bitch 
in Hold on. I have to close my blinds. I have to close my blinds. I'm in Cambridgeshire right now. I know. (laughs) I know. Uh, So that's why I was like, you're in Cambridge, right? You have to be in Cambridge for me to tell this story. Oh, my God. I'm also glad you didn't tell me until just now, because I probably would have been like, we're not recording till I leave. Please, you would say, I'm going to go out and look for it right now. Well, I'm actually contemplating that right now. So I know. So let me tell you where it is specifically. How about? Yeah. Yeah. So it resides in the Fens. The Fens. Do you know the Fens, the Fenlands? Uh, I am unfamiliar, but I am going to ask my friend who lives here, Kara. Yes. Um, shout out to you, Kara. Kara, hey. I'm going to ask her where that is, and maybe I will drag her there. <laughs> Do it. So the United Kingdom Fens, also called the Fenlands, are a vast area of sea level marshland that run along the eastern side of the country. It's like a bog. Oh, my God. Um, it has a total area of 1,500 square miles. That's huge. And it spans all the way from Lincolnshire. Yeah, it's a huge area. So it spans from Lincolnshire to Norfolk. And Cambridge is one of the stops between. Oh, shit. So I'm dead smack in the middle of this. Yeah. I mean, it's not all of Cambridge, right? No. It's a portion of the county. And you can, yeah. So I say go check it out, man. Oh, I'm checking it out. I'm writing it down. I'm texting Kara. She's unprepared, but we'll see. She knew what she was getting into. She actually didn't, but that's fine by me. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the naturally mysterious landscape of the fence has made it the host to much folklore, including the Black Shuck. Uh, So the following stories take place in East Anglia, which is where you are. It's the region that Cambridge is located, right? Yep. Okay. One of the first encounters of Black Shuck was written in the Peterborough Chronicle in 1157. So this has been around for a long time. The most famous encounter was retold by a Cambridge scholar named Abraham Fleming. He is famous for translating the poet Virgil's Bucolics into English in 1575. Oh, okay. Um, and Virgil Also, this is goes back quite a long time. A long time. Yeah, like thousands of years, I suppose. And Virgil, famous for bringing Greek bucolic style into Roman literature. Bucolic meaning shepherd and pastoral life. And most people would recognize that Virgil as the inspiration to Dante Alighieri and eventually became a character in Dante's Inferno and Purgatory. Oh, yeah. Spooky stuff. Yeah. So Fleming's story on the Black Dog sighting was included in a book called A Strange and Terrible Wonder. It described the fateful night that the Black Dog entered two churches. One of them was in Blythburg. When he entered the church, the steeple caved in, causing the death of a man and a young boy. Oh, shit. And then the story continues... At another church in Bengay, the dog burst inside, and as he ran between two people praying on their knees, their necks snapped. <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, Violent shit. Violent death, dude. So this bitch does not fuck around. He, no. <laughs> he takes his bad omens seriously. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. And to the extreme level, wow. <laughs> is what I will say. Um, so I have an excerpt. From A Strange and Terrible Wonder, if you'd like to hear it. Absolutely. Excellent. So this excerpt I found in the Cambridgeshire News Life article titled Black Shuck, the Legendary Hellhound that Haunts the Cambridgeshire Fens. Um, but you can find the whole story on Early English Books online website. And it's written in Old English style as well. So all of the U's are V's. And there's just a ton of extra ease, which is fun. Oh, my fun. God. That's a pretty awesome um, title, so, too. I kind of want to get that on a shirt. I wonder if I can buy that here. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> you yourself are a strange and terrible wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So you want to hear it? Yeah. A strange and terrible wonder wrought very late in the parish church of Bengay. 
in a great tempest of violent rain lightning and thunder the like whereof hath been seldom seen the black dog or the devil in such a likeness running along down a body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste among the people in a visible form and shape passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees and occupied in prayer as it seemed wrung the necks of them both in one instant clean backward insomuch that even at a moment where they kneeled they strangely died oh i have chills after you reading that girl it is no it's a no for me dog i'm gonna have to dip out it's a no for me i'm gonna gonna bow out (laughs) um and the legend also says that the doors that the big shark ran through were left with burn marks okay that's just one step too far well (laughs) it's his calling card (laughs) it's it's what he does it's what he does also quick pause i must say you must have been born in the wrong time period because you did a better job reading old english style than you do reading nowadays (laughs) text so (laughs) i'm just saying it's not that i'm an idiot it's just that i was born at the wrong time okay (laughs) okay come on give me a break well thank you i think i don't know (laughs) you know i'm not quite sure myself if that was a compliment or not but we're sticking with it that's what's going to keep me up at night not those short stories you read (laughs) trying to figure out if that was a compliment (laughs) oh 100 percent. that's gonna haunt you for for years to come what did dan mean (laughs) (laughs) and for that you're welcome (laughs) all right um so reports of the black dog have continued for hundreds of years after with stories as recent as 1972 okay how is this bitch living so long he's a demon oh yeah but even demons gotta die one day those shapeshifters are immortal man Uh, just look at nessie just look at just look at peppy peppy's still around oh yeah yeah, but we want him to be around yeah yeah but shock i'm gonna go take care of business when we're done recording this dan's a new van helsing yep 100 percent. buffy the vampire slaver but dan the demon slayer Ooh got alliteration in there too 100% Dan the demon destroyer <gasps> yes Dan uh, destroyer of demons hi guys I'm here to destroy <laughs> some demons <laughs> for everybody who knows that reference you're welcome for everybody that doesn't Sex if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> okay, so in April 1972, Her Majesty's Coast Guard named Graham Grant was surveilling in Yarmouth Beach, which is part of East Anglia, when he saw a black dog running around the banks. After watching the dog for a while, it shockingly disappeared. He told a fellow Coast Guard named Harold Cox about it, and Harold Cox told Grant that seeing a black dog is considered an omen of bad luck. Uh, Two months later, in June 1972, Harold Cox had a heart attack at work. He was sitting in the same chair that he was in when he and Grant had their conversation. Oh, shit. And additionally, the following January 1973, Grant's father died of heart failure. Oh, my God. Isn't that so sad? That's so sad, but also there's no way that's a coincidence. I, random. Ugh. That is insane. The book said that Harold Cox was in his like mid-50s, too, so it's not like he was super old. Right. No, that's pretty young. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess back then, maybe the life expectancy and health problems came on sooner, but still, that's young. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Because the 60s, people still thought smoking was good for you, right? Yeah, I think so. I feel like pregnant women were still smoking in their 60s. Yeah, probably. Not in their 60s, in the 60s. Sorry. So, 
And I feel, you know, it says that it brings bad luck. And I think a lot of the times people would say, oh, well, wouldn't that mean that he dies? But it's a lot worse to be the survivor of people you love, you know? Yeah, it is always harder to be the one who survives. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to live with the grief and the sadness, mm -hmm. uh, whereas the other person has moved on. So so maybe you actually don't go looking for this, Dan, because I don't want to be... <laughs> uh no you set me on this mission i'm going so you brought this upon yourself you're like uh this is a risk i'm going to take 100 percent. yeah great okay but also according to geely black dogs may also have a purpose for good they're also thought to protect the graves of people who died tragically oh yeah kind of like dogs in real life being you know uh, protectors of their owners no. oh i love that i just recently rewatched the episode of futurama where do you have you seen that show? I have, but it's been a long time. Do you remember the episode where he finds his dog, like a mummified uh, version of his dog? I and then it ends. No, I do not remember that. <laughs> it, it, it basically he thinks about bringing it back to life with like science or whatever, and um, eventually he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that." He probably had like a nice and like fulfilling life, and the end of the episode is this montage of the dog just like sitting outside of the pizza place where he worked, waiting for him oh. his entire life, and it's so sad. Oh God, it'll give you a good cry. Yeah. Oh I man. I brought the room down. Well, you always do. Um, oh, yeah. it's my one talent: <laughs> reading old English and bringing down the room. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, um, black dogs or black shucks have also been sighted all over the world, which makes sense because folklore travels as people do, right? Yeah. So I couldn't find anything in Minnesota, but just a side note, I did find something about a dog man sighting in Otter County and St. Louis County in Minnesota, oh. but that's a topic for a different time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Another cryptid, maybe. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I know. In West Virginia's Riverview Cemetery, people have seen a black dog digging in the garden and on the grounds. Okay. And even more close to Minnesota, people have seen an apparition of a black dog at the entrance to the famous Bachelors Grove Cemetery in Chicago. Oh. The dog disappears as people approach it. And some say it's a warning. Others see the dog as a guide through the cemetery. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I guess it depends on if the person is coming to the cemetery for good or evil. You know, maybe it's a guide for people who are there to visit loved ones. And maybe it's a omen for people who are coming to desecrate graves. Yeah, don't fuck with them. And that's Big Shuck. Wow, I love that. Okay, the one question I have lingering, though, is mm -hmm. all of these people and their untimely deaths... Makes me wonder, is it really just an omen of bad luck and they just happen to die in very coincidental ways? Or is Shuck himself doing the murdering, you know? Yes. Yeah, how would you define that? I don't know. Because, like, for example, the people who whose necks snapped, I mean, he ran between them. So that had to have been some kind of a malevolent force, right? Right. But he didn't actually attack them. Huh. Huh. You've given me a lot to think about. Yeah, I've given myself a lot to think about. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Lots of reasons we're staying up tonight. <laughs> um, but we're also not done. <gasps> There's more? Yes, because Black Shuck isn't the only thing dwelling in the fence. Oh, fuck you. What? <laughs> so, should you decide to explore the area, and knowing you, you will. Yep, 100%. Um, I want to ask you, have you heard of the Will of a Wisp? No, but that sounds a little less scary and a little bit more fun. 
Maybe. Uh, the only reason I know Will of the Wisp is because of that song, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? And they say it. But I just realized I didn't know what a Will of the Wisp was. I just knew it as a saying. So I guess this is another little second word of the episode since we've had some catching up to do for word of the month. <laughs> oh, my God. What a treat for not only our listeners, but for us. I know. I've learned so much. So, will-o'-the-wisps in folklore are orbs of light that dance and play off the side of the road and paths at night. Travelers would see them, thinking that they were either a bad omen or trying to pull them from the road at night, never to reach their destination. Oh. They might even guide them to dangerous and treacherous lands, causing death. Oh, shit. In actuality, these balls of light were probably, per this article I read, bioluminescent mushrooms or glowing algae that grow in marshy areas. Maybe like the fence. Uh, see, this is making um, a lot more sense now. They weren't actually seeing anything real. They ate these bioluminescent mushrooms and got real high and just started <laughs> seeing a bunch of shit flying around. 100 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, God. Well. I think you're right. 100%. Probably mystery solved, man. That's mystery it. Solved. <laughs> mystery solved. Episode over. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can also be marsh gas, like methane reacting with the air as well. Mm. Uh, but you know what? You know what, science? Shut up and don't ruin the fun. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Science can STF you. <laughs> um, so that said, mentioning marshy areas does bring us back to the fence, right? There is a figure, much like Will-o'-the-Wisps, that are called the Lantern Men. Oh. Hmm. And what they do, they roam the fens at night, and they pursue anyone meandering and strolling through the fens and drown them in the reeds. I don't want to go by drowning. Oh, that's that's one of the last ways I would ever want to go. Yeah. Suffocating I think I'll and drowning. I think I'll take my chances with Shark, to be honest. I mean, I think you're going to probably come across both, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. You know what I'm picturing, Madeline, and... Hear me out on this. You said lantern men, right? Mm -hmm. I am picturing Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast reaching out and drowning my ass in the middle of the night as I explore the fence. <laughs> well. <laughs> and honestly, that's something that I never would have thought when I thought about that childhood movie. So I guess I'm never watching Beauty and the Beast again. Thank you for that. <laughs> 100%. You're welcome. Too scary. Um, <gasps> oh, my God. That would be amazing. What if we've recreated Disney movies as horror movies? <gasps> Have you ever seen when people re-edit movie trailers to make it look like a completely different genre? Yes. There's one that somebody did. One of my favorites is somebody redid The Shining and it made it look like a rom-com kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing but there's another one where they re-edited the trailer to mary poppins and called it scary mary and it is spine chilling okay you it have is to so send that creepy. to me i'll send it to you i'll send it to you it is creepy well done and you don't realize how dark the film is just visually because there's that scene where they're up on the roofs and dancing and they're in the park and there's all that smoke and then they get into the chalk paintings or something i don't know but it's trippy. Oh, I'll send it this to you sounds so good. Yes. But the lantern men are cloaked figures and they carry around lanterns. Okay. You say like, okay, I don't believe you. <laughs> All right. 
So an article on the Cambridge Live website by Fiona Leishman recounts the famous story about a 38-year-old man named Joseph Bexfield, who may have been one of the victims of the Lantern Men. <gasps> so Bexfield worked as a sailor on the Wary, which is a large rowboat that transports passengers and cargo. And he worked in the early 1800s in East Anglia. When he returned to his hometown one night, he and some other sailors decided to have a drink at the local pub. Upon realizing he had forgotten a package he had brought back for his wife, he decided to go back to the fence that night, despite the urging of his fellow comrades to stay where he was, right? Uh-huh. So his body was found three days later in the river Yar. Drowned? And he had drowned. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Um, his grave can still be found in the Thrillton churchyard with a tombstone that reads, O cruel death that would not spare a father kind and a husband dear. Great is ye lost to ye thee he left behind, but he they hope will greater comfort find. That's pretty. Yeah, it's nice. And a ghostly figure can sometimes still be seen in the Finland, supposedly Joseph wandering around hmm. the night of his death. Wow. All right. So I've got my work cut out for me when I head you over do. there. Yes. And here's the thing. You mentioned your friend Kara. Yes. Good idea to go with another person because if you do decide to check out the Fenlands at night, there is a way to avoid the demise of lantern men. And this is according to an article in the Eastern Counties magazine. It was published in 1900. So upon seeing lantern men, hopefully there are two of you, you guys can begin whistling and separate to opposite sides of the bog or marsh or lake, thus creating kind of like a split between where the lantern man is drawn. So as he's kind of trying to decide which whistle to go to, hopefully the lantern man starts oscillating between the two potential victims until both can run away. So it's kind of like you draw him to the left, you draw him to the right with the two people whistling on either sides, drawing attention to themselves. Madeline, my heart just sank because I am royally screwed. I can't whistle. Oh. I can't whistle. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no oh. other way. That's, there's, there's no other way. And, and that's it. And that's, that's it. it. And that's it. And that was Dan. Well, I had a good run. You had a pretty good run. Let's not get... Okay. <laughs> Let's not say things we don't mean. Let's not get too optimistic, okay? <laughs> Sorry. You're not wrong. Well, if that's the case, you might still be in luck. Others have said if you come across a lantern man on a walk, immediately fall face down to the ground. Kind of like the same method that people use to avoid the will of the wisp is uh -huh. they would just try to directly look away and hide. I don't know. Okay, but then you don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I I, like... it's not the best idea. It's not, <laughs> it's not the greatest You're plan. letting your guard down. Yeah, but that's just what somebody said. Because <laughs> um, hmm. I think the idea is that it's not drawn to you at that point, and you're not drawn to the light of the Lantern Man at that point. Ah, I see. You know, kind of like it's not hypnotizing you to approach it. But attracted to both light and sound, if you're carrying a lantern or lamp with you, you also have the option to set the light down to the ground and just jump ship, just like bolt. Oh. So hopefully the lantern man will be drawn to the light that you left abandoned as you run like hell. Well, sadly, the only light any of us have nowadays is our cell phones, and I don't want to lose my cell phone. Dan, I can't help you. I don't. It's just problem after problem with you. You got to give me better <laughs> options. <laughs> I think your best option right now is just drop to the ground. I mean, I think my best option right now is to just not go, but I'm going, so. You got to. You got to. But a story in Cambridge Folktales, a story by Maureen James, recounts a story of a man who was walking his dog in the fence when he saw the lantern man. He and his dog ran and hid at a friend's house. The friend decided to put a horn at the end of a pole to distract the lantern man, and when they woke up, the horn was burnt to a crisp. Ooh. Ooh. 
I mean, I don't know. Don't tear your ACL again. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your only option is running. And <laughs> let's be honest, that's probably the biggest danger I'm going to face when I go there. So, <laughs> you know what they say, Madeline, third time's a charm. So, oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> My surgeon is going to be so unhappy with me. (laughs) Dan, seriously, again? (laughs) He's going to be so displeased. (laughs) So, true or not, the legends of the Fenlands in East Anglia have continued to inspire authors and storytellers for centuries. Yeah. Going back to Abraham Fleming, the man who wrote about Black Shuck's attack. Yeah. He was also an editor of the second edition of the Hollandshed Chronicles which was a three-part history on the United Kingdom. Oh. So the second edition acted as a muse and resource for Shakespearean plays such as Macbeth, specifically the scene where Macbeth encounters the three witches in the woods. Oh. Yeah, witches of the Fenlands. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the Black Shuck was an inspiration for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Hound of Baskerville, in which Sherlock Holmes has to solve the mystery of a dog that haunts a manor and has caused deaths of several. Wow. So much folklore coming from one area in a small country. I know. Yeah. Fascinating. And that's why I had a really hard time. I mean, there's so much more in Cambridge, too, dude. I thought about doing two episodes or like a double feature episode, but... There's just so much. I would love to cover the University of Cambridge. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, we could always do that uh, for another international episode whenever. So That's true, yeah. So thanks for going to the UK. So it gave us an opportunity to explore more stuff. Yeah, thank you for making me look over my shoulder for the rest of the time I'm here. So thanks a lot for that. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. Have fun. Hope you learned to whistle. <laughs> so, Dan, why did you miss your flight? Well, actually, he's dead. So. He's dead. That's how he missed his flight. Yes. Oh, oh my God. I Okay. I'm getting my boots on, ready to walk through this bog, and uh, I'm going for it. Do it. I love it. I also got to practice my whistling. YOLO. Oh, Madeline, they don't say that in Old English. They don't. <laughs> they say, what do they say in Old English? Ye who only liveth the one life. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Oh, incredible. Maybe, I mean, if you go, maybe just tell the lantern men that you have the Rona. And they'll be like, whoa, whoa. Oh, that's a great idea. Nobody will bother you if you tell them that. That's a really (laughs) great idea. So I should go now. Okay, they never said self-isolation couldn't include exploring paranormal activity, so... But then again, you're still not technically by yourself. (laughs) Eh, they deserve it. Can viruses transcend the astral plane? That's a very good question. We should ask Miss Rona herself. Yeah. Or ask something on the other side. Interesting. (gasps) So we have several questions building up. One is, do aliens have ghost stories? Yeah. (laughs) Yup. And this is the second one. Where are our listeners with these answers? Guys, come on. We're giving you free content. And the least you could do is answer our questions. (laughs) (laughs) Do your own Uh, research for once. (laughs) (laughs) 
I digress. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Grim Cities International Edition. Yes. And thank you guys for coming along on my journey throughout Europe. It's been great. And uh, it's given me so many things to be terrified of while I'm out here. So thank you for keeping me on my toes. Yes. And let us know if you do go to any of the Finland area. I will. Oh, and also, if you have a two-sentence horror story, send yes, it in. Yes, please. Please. And Dan, where can they send it? They can send it to us via email, if they choose, at thegrimcitiespodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or they can send it to us via DM on any of our social media platforms. And that is at the Grim Cities on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Woo! And uh, stay tuned for uh, Dan's and my two-line horror. Oh, we should turn this into a competition and post it and take polls. I was going to say we should have our listeners vote on who's better. Yes. Yes. All right. I love Stay this. tuned, y'all. Stay tuned. Oof. And uh, I'm going to win. So A little not-so-friendly competition. That's that. I think you're being a little optimistic. Well, on that note, I'm going to say cheerio, uh, as they say here. <laughs> That's not what they say. Cheerio. <laughs> From across the pond. From across the pond. Um, (laughs) And uh, Madeline's a right foul git, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye. Okay, bye. Six, 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 six